Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for being here. If you're watching online, thanks for watching online. Um, if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to be out of 2 Corinthians today, but if you look on the screen, I'd like for us to read this together. I think it's uh, important to read the Word of God in church. Anybody believe that? So many times we hear a lot of different things without the Word of God even being interjected in a sermon, so I think the foundation of all preaching should be the Word of God. Anybody agree with that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God is, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Let it come alive in my lips and in our hearts. Speak to us in a very special way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Well, turn to them and say, you look really good today. How many of you will take a compliment any way you can get it? I don't know if you've ever played with magnets. We're going to start a series today called Magnetic. But if you take magnets and you put the opposite poles together, they click together. It's kind of hard to pull apart. But if you flip them around where the poles are the same, they repel each other. And let me just give you a little heads up. There are things in life that attract you and things in life that repel you. Would you agree with that? So let me tell you a story. Last Sunday morning, I'm getting ready for church. It's about six o'clock. I'm jumping in the shower and still dark outside. Uh, I'm uh, getting ready like you do. My normal thing is to shower before I come. So uh, I get in the shower and I reach up and I get my uh, shampoo bottle. And behind my shampoo bottle is a large red wasp. Now, my shower's much like yours. It's closed in except for just short space at the top. So now, there's a red wasp flying around in my shower, and there's a whole lot of me to sting. <laughs> Y'all get that on the way home. So I'm going through the shower, uh, trying to kill this red wasp. I'm knocking bottles out of the niche of the shower. They're falling in the floor. And finally, I get the red wasp on the floor, take the shampoo bottle, and I crush him on the floor, and he goes down the drain. But until then, I'm extremely repelled by him. And I don't want him close. I uh, got out of the shower when Carrie got up. I said, did you hear me in the shower? She said, no, I didn't hear. I said, well, that's a miracle. Things were going on. Now, in this passage, obviously, the Apostle Paul is telling us 
about our life in Christ and how that starts. And he's sharing with us that we are a new creation or a new creature. And it has to be through Christ Jesus that that happens. So the only way that you can be made new is through Jesus. So that's a given here in the passage. But it also indicates that there are old things and there are new things. Say that with me. The old things and the new. And let me tell you, there's some things in your life that in your old life you were very attracted to. And in the newness, if you stay in the oldness, there's things in the newness you're really repelled by. And then when you get into the newness, there's things in the oldness you're repelled by. But there's things in the old you're attracted to, things in the new you're attracted to. So there's a, there's a, a polarity there. We have to understand that. If you don't understand it, you won't know why you do certain things. You have a fleshly nature, and you have a spiritual nature. And so until you die, you're going to be in this fleshly body, but you don't have to walk in the flesh. Can I hear an amen? Now, the fleshly nature is attracted to things that really are not good for you. And we're still attracted to those, even though they're very damaging to us. There are habits and there are addictions that we're attracted to. Even though we know that they're not good for us, we still practice those things because that's what your flesh and my flesh is attracted to. But we also realize that in the Spirit, there are things that we are attracted to in that. So sometimes I'm attracted to things that aren't good for me, and you're attracted to things that aren't good for you. So one of the ways that we can identify that is with food. How many of you know there's some things that you can eat that are not good for you? But you're attracted to them anyway. Yeah. I shared with you about uh, a year ago that I found out this wonderful thing in cookies called Golden Oreos. And so... um, I ate one, and they were very good, so Carrie and I, we're at Walmart, I think, and so we go down the cookie aisle, and I get this humongous family-sized pack of golden Oreos, and Carrie, being the one who is very restrained, she said, do you think we need this big of a package? And I said, honey, we are a family. (laughs) So I get the big package of Oreos that day. But I also realize if I eat too many of those, that's not very good for me. But I'm attracted to those. Because sometimes in the cabinet when I walk by, they say, Mike, I'm here. And I have this magnetic attraction there. And y'all are so holy this morning. Anybody going to help me preach today? I mean, you know, you, you have this pull there because they're so good to the flesh that we want those. And I'm attracted sometimes to things I don't need. You're attracted to things that you don't need either. But once you become a new creature, a new creation, then you're attracted to things you weren't attracted to before. And the things you were attracted to before, then you have some kind of repulsion to those things once you become born again. And of course, you know, this process being born again starts with this issue of reconciliation. Now, let me give you a definition here because I think it's important that we know what we're talking about. A restoration in its purest sense is the restoration of friendly relationships. It happens among friends and marriages. You know, people get crossways. Have you ever been crossways with somebody? 
So restoration on a biblical sense is reconciliation. A reconciliation in a biblical sense is, is the end of estrangement caused by original sin between God and humanity. And let me tell you where it started. It started at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was good, right? And there's Adam. He creates from the dust of the, of the earth and makes him a fleshly person and then breathes into him the breath of life. He becomes a living soul. And then out of Adam, he forms Eve. So now we have the first family, Adam and Eve. They're on the earth. And there's only one thing they cannot do. Only one. And God gives them dominion over everything. He says, subdue, you know, replenish. You have dominion over it. Now, I have my opinion why he had only one thing they couldn't do. Because, listen, he says, everything that I've created on this earth is yours. You can enjoy it. You can use it. Attend it. Uh, it it's yours to use. You have dominion. But he says, there's one tree I'd rather you not eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So stay away from that. Don't eat it. Uh, that's the only commandment. How would you like to have only one thing in life you cannot do? I mean, golden Orioles have no calories. When you get to heaven, Baskin Robbins doesn't have 39 flavors. They have a million and 39 flavors with no calories. Only one thing you can't do. Don't eat of this tree, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, my opinion is, uh, my humble opinion is, the reason God gave them one thing they couldn't do, because he gave Adam and Eve a free will. And a free will is not a free will if you have no place to exercise it. So if you don't have anything to exercise free will on, you really don't have free will. But he created us with free will. We can do things, we can't do things, we shouldn't do things, but we do things. We have a will. So they breached the commandment of God by the free will that God gave, and they ate of that fruit, and immediately sin entered the world. And that sin not only entered Adam and Eve, that sin went all the way through the family of humanity, and now you and I are estranged from God because of sin. Your sin, my sin, has separated you from God because God is holy and righteous. Now we're not because we broke His commandment. You following along with me? Now there's a breach in the relationship. Because when God comes down in the cool of the evening and He wants to have His time of fellowship with Adam and Eve, Guess what? They don't show up. Adam, where are you? Well, I'm over here. I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? Because the glory that God put upon him, that covering is now stripped from him. And now there is this division, if you will. There is this breach in the relationship. And listen, God didn't cause it. Guess who caused it? Man caused it. So if there's anybody here today and you say, well, hey, God and I are not together. Listen, God didn't cause it. How many of you know God gets blamed for a lot of things that God has never, ever done? But yet, still, He gets the blame, doesn't He? Now, how I respond to God and how I respond to people that I have had or maybe with, will have with issues with me either perceived or real really depends on how I respond to that in the process of reconciliation. Now, let me tell you how I've done it over the years. Um, you know, when you live in a glass house, you have, to, you have to live a little differently. And because I'm a pastor in our community, we're one of the larger churches here, is uh, sometimes people have issues with me, 
that I don't even know they have issues with. Sometimes they're real, sometimes they're perceived. And so I've had to, you know, develop this thing that uh, if I see them in public, that I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to go up and say hi to them. I'm going to shake their hands. Uh, Sometimes I shock them because they don't know how to handle that. Because my deal is if if you're going to have an issue with me, you're going to have to have it by yourself. Because I got enough issues without having more issues. Anybody live on the same planet I live on? I got enough issues without having more issues. So I have to deal with it in a certain way. Now, when Adam sinned, that breach came, and we're dealing with that even still today. Some of you have dealt with it, some of you haven't. But the true biblical definition of reconciliation also involves an exchange of value. So if you look this up and you take the word, you break it down, it doesn't mean we're just getting right with God. It means there has to be an exchange of value. Now, here's the thing. You don't bring anything to the table. God brings everything to the table. Now, this is Colossians chapter 1. Now, Paul is writing to the church, and I want to get into this really on a deeper level here, maybe than we've ever had before. Because uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this. Matt is going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. In verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul is giving us the preeminence of Christ here. And he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on the earth or in heaven, or making peace by the blood of his cross. So, We have here in verse 20, Colossians 1, through him to reconcile by the blood of his cross. So for us to be reconciled, there has to be something exchanged here. There had to be something that's given here. There had to be some kind of value given here. So if you reach in the back of the pew, is there any plastic uh, pins there? Is there one there? So if I was come up and say, you know, I would like to have that pen, then if, if she's in possession of that, then you have to exchange something of value so it can have that pen. And you say, well, she could just freely give that, but if she freely gave it, the worth and the value of it wouldn't be as strong as if there was something exchanged. Everybody with me? I was doing a, a conference meeting on Zoom because, you know, of the pandemic. And so I'm talking to a pastor in Indiana and he had visited our church before and I noticed in the meeting that he has a purple pen in his hand and I recognized it. And I said, I recognize that pen. And he looked at it and he said, yeah, it's a good old ray of hope pen. They found its way all the way to Indiana. So there was an exchange going on there. He just swiped our pen. (laughs) Just kidding, they're there for you to take. But what I'm saying is that there's exchanges going on all the time. Now, if you look at verses 15 through 20 there in Colossians chapter 1, 
There are these names or pronouns, if you will, that appear, he, him, his. Say that with me. He, him, his. It appears 12 times in these verses. He, him, his. And it appears over and over and over. Matter of fact, I counted them uh, 12 times. If you, you, if you use the word himself, it's 13. So the, the focus is on him. You with me? He, him, his, himself, 13 times if you use himself. And, and it says, he's the one who's the image of the invisible God. He's the one who's the firstborn. He's the one who created everything in earth, on, on, in the heavenlies, visible, invisible. He's the one who's before all things. He's the head of the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn. He is the one who's preeminent. He is the fullness of God. Through him, what? To reconcile. You see, listen. The only way reconciliation can happen is through Jesus. Have you ever heard someone say this? Well, me and the big man upstairs, we got everything together. Me and God, we're okay. If you haven't come through Jesus Christ, you and God aren't okay. That's point blank. You see, Allah can't reconcile you. Buddha can't reconcile you. No perceived deity can reconcile you because the Bible says reconciliation can only go through Him who shed His blood at the cross. So for you and I to be reconciled to God, it only comes through Jesus Christ and what He did because He's the one who gave the value to reconciliation. So we have to understand that. Now, the reason that is true because only Jesus has paid the price for reconciliation to happen. He's the only one who's paid the price for reconciliation to happen because verse 20 says, making peace by the blood of the cross. So the only way that you're reconciled is because there was a price paid for reconciliation, the shedding of blood. Now the first time reconciliation is mentioned in your Bible is all the way back to the Old Testament and it's referring to Moses because Moses took the blood from the altar of the sacrifice and he poured it around the base of the altar and the Bible says it was for reconciliation. But here's the downfall of that. It had to be done over and over and over and over again and it didn't eliminate the sin. It just rolled them up year by year by year by year until the true sacrifice came along who is Jesus Christ that can reconcile you to God once and forever and that is extremely good news because you and I need reconciliation according to what Paul says. Now, if you've ever had odds with someone or they had something against you, someone has to make the first move for reconciliation to happen. Someone has to make the first move. That happens in marriage, it happens in friendship, it happens in business. I, I know this never happens with y'all. Have you ever got crossways in marriage? And there were long extended times where nobody talked to each other? Kind of sounds like right now. <laughs> I'm not talking to her. She's not talking to me. We, we, we go on a long period of time. Nobody's talking to each other. Reconciliation 
will not happen until somebody makes the first move. And usually for that to happen, somebody has got to humble themselves down. Someone has to swallow hard and say, I love this relationship so much, I'm willing to make the first move. Now, now here's something that we do, and really it's kind of dumb, but we do it. I mean, we have all done it. Well, I don't know why we can't get along. I don't know why they don't like me. I don't know why we can't get together. I don't know why we can't do this. Well, listen, have you made a move? I mean, have you actually extended some kind of move? Have you shot, you know, something over the bow? Have you thrown your hat in the door? I mean, whatever you need to do here. So sometimes we think, well, you know, well, when they do this, I'll do this. Anybody ever got into that quagmire? Well, when she does this, I'll do this. And guess what? Nobody does anything. Can I tell you something? That this works with every relationship, marriage, friendships, business. Have you ever done work for somebody and they didn't pay you? You didn't get paid. I mean, I have. You know, years ago, I, I, I can remember two instances I did work for people. And when, when I finished, they just didn't pay me. Guess what I didn't do after that? I never did work for them anymore. Because there was what no value exchanged when there should have been value exchanged. So I, I never did work for them anymore. Well, number one, you learn some good lessons there, don't you? This is who you work for. This is who you don't work for. But if they come to me and said, and, and they're taking the initiative, if they would said, well, Mike, you know, I, I have some more work for you to do, and I realize I didn't pay you last time. Here's the money for the last time. Then you're more likely to do what work for them the next time. So there has to be somebody who makes the move and extends value to bridge that gap and take care of the relationship. Now, between you and God, who made the first move? It wasn't you. And it wasn't me. So take your Bible and, and turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And th there's just about three verses there that I'm going to read to you. And you're going to understand that God made the first move. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps... For a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So who made the first move to you? Jesus did. It wasn't you. While we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, while we were still in our sin, who made the first move for you to get right with God? The Lord did. Because He did that over 2,000 years ago. And He's still doing that today, right? He wants to have that relationship. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be right with Him. He wants you to do the right thing. But you have to respond to His first move. And I have to respond to His first move. Well, you know, we live in a time now that people are really shaking their fist at God right now. We live in really weird times now. I, I think we're being set up for the ending of this thing. So that's just my personal opinion. So if you're out goofing off, you need to get in the church, get your heart right with God. So Jesus comes, and he makes the first move at the cross, shedding his blood, and he's dying for us, hoping that we respond to his first move. Some will, some won't. 
Some say, well, what has God done for me? You know, he's never done anything. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God made the first move. So he's waiting for our response. And sometimes you, you get into this kind of this, church, this churchy uh, dialogue, and there's a lot of big churchy w- words out there, and I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can, but let, let me give you some of the churchy words, and, and they're meaningful, and we should have them. Uh, condemnation, reconciliation, restoration, salvation, sanctification, justification. There's a lot of Asians in there, right? So do those mean anything? They, they mean a lot. So if we go back to where we started, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll try to simplify this. So what he does, he tells us, beginning of the passage we read, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old's passed away, behold, the new has come. Now, this is what I know, that there are things that I, were, I was drawn to before I got saved, and I enjoyed, but once I become a new creature, a new creation in Jesus Christ, now I'm drawn to other things. Listen, before I wasn't drawn to prayer meetings. I wasn't drawn to coming to church. I wasn't drawn to praise and worship or singing or reading my Bible. That wasn't on my priority list. Can you remember that far back? And and, and now I'm drawn to other things. Matter of fact, I'm involved in things over here that once I become a new creation, I dislike those things now. But while I'm here thinking about maybe I need to be over there, I'm thinking of what I have to give up here to get there. But this is what I found out the reality is, once you get there, you don't have to really say, I give those up. You just don't want to do them anymore. But while you're there, you don't process it that way. Does that make any sense? Because there may be somebody here today, you say, listen, if I give my life to Christ, I got to give this up and this up and this up and this up. Well, let me tell you, whatever you think you're giving up, you got so much more to gain over here, it, it pales in comparison to what you thought you had to give up. But you can't process that right because you're still the old creature, the old man, and not the new person in Christ, the new creation. You see, I sometimes talk to people about, well, what, what did you do this summer? Or, or what, what are you going to do on vacation? Or uh, what did you do last month? And you, you tell people, well, I took my vacation to go serve at youth camp. Or uh, we went to, to a church conference. But if you're over here, you hear those words and you say things like this. Man, that is so boring. Why would you even do something like that? But if you're in the new man over here, this is what I say. You've never been with our group. Because we have a good time. I mean, we have a great time. But it's hard to process that if you're still in the old mindset, the old flesh, the old man, and you're not renewed in in your mind. Does that make sense to you? But if we can just get people to think what Paul is saying, you have your old life, now you have your new life because you were old in your old fleshly nature, now you're the new creation born again in Christ, and the only way that happened, he says here, is through reconciliation. Somehow, you and God had to get together. But God made the first step for you 
to be able to do that. You didn't make it. You just had to respond to his first step, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that can ever happen is through Jesus. So when you see that, you realize that when you have that encounter, everything changes. You're drawn to certain things. Now you're repelled by certain things. And now you're repelled by the things you used to do and drawn to the things you didn't do. I know this sounds uh, mysterious, but it's really not. So let me go back to uh, these things that we're repelled by. Listen, red wasp in the shower will always repel me. So about four days after that, I'm in the front yard, carries in the back. I get a text, come here now. So I go to the backyard. She's standing over by the fence, and I said, what's wrong? She said, there's a snake in the flower bed. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first step on a snake, it is a rattler, viper, cobra. Amen? So I walk over there, and, and there's a little snake about that long, and it's curled up. And I, I said, would it be all right if I just pick it up and I throw it over the fence out in the pasture? She said, can you guarantee me it will not come back? <laughs> and I said, no, I can't guarantee you. So I, I, I took a landscaping stone, and I crushed the head of the snake, and, and I threw it you know, over the fence because I couldn't guarantee her it wouldn't come back. I, you know, if it had been me, I would have tossed it, been okay. But for her, not okay. But if you ever come up on something like that, you're immediately what? You're backing up. You're, you're repelled by it. When, when I came to the Lord, I'm in my early 20s, and Carrie, she began to really feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in her heart and her life first. So what happened is she really had an encounter with God that I didn't have. I was happy for her. And when she had that, she said, Mike, we're going to get our life together. We're going to start going to church. Uh, we're going to start serving God. And immediately my reaction was, whoa there, sister. I haven't had the same experience you had. So she's embracing it. She's pulled like a magnet toward it, and I'm not. And let me tell you why. Because now she is the new creature, the new creation. She's pulled to it. I'm not. I'm resisting. So she gets up on Sunday morning. She gets ready to go to church. You're going to go with me? No. Sunday night, you're going to go to church? No. Wednesday night, you're going with me? No. So she goes with my mother. And, and I say this, whenever your mother, your wife pray for you, it's like sick him, Holy Ghost. I mean... <laughs> So she's going, she's enjoying it, I'm not. And then she comes to me and she says, Mike, I'm getting baptized. Would you come and watch me? I'm having real conflicted feelings right now. Because part of me wants to go support my wife to be baptized, but there's another part of me that says, I don't want to go. Can anybody identify with this? And you may be here today because someone invited you, and the only reason you're here is because you didn't want to disappoint them, but there's still part of you that makes you uneasy that you're in church. Listen, I understand that. I've been there. I've walked this. I mean, th this is not mysterious. This, this is life. So I don't want to get up here and think that we don't know what's going on here. So I go that night when she's supposed to get baptized, and 
And I've told many of you, I'm standing at the pew and we're singing and my knuckles are white, just holding on to the back of the pew. But there's something about my soul that is drawn to the things of God. Even though my flesh has some issues, there's something way down deep inside of you. There's something way down deep inside of me. It's that soul relationship. It's that spirit-to-spirit connection that we know we need with God. But yet we're conflicted because the old man is striving to stay the old man. And i tell you why. Because to make that leap, if you will, to become the new man, this is what the old man knows. I've got to die. I've got to die to these old ways. I've got to die to my flesh. And so that's why I had that inward battle. And, and, and I had this thing going on in my mind. Mike, you need to get right with God. You need to come to the Lord. You know that you're not right with God. You know the things you've done is wrong. But there's another part of me that says, if you'll hold on, this will be over in a minute. You can leave. It, it, it's that pull one way and that pull the other way. But here's the beauty of this. The mercy and the grace of God is pulling our soul to Him because He knows what's best for you. And really, down deep in your heart, you know what's best for you. But your flesh will deceive you. Your carnality will lie to you. But when you give in to the things of God, you will be so blessed and happy that you did the right thing. But I just want to tell you, there's the pull. There's the magnetic pull, if you will. Your flesh pulls you one way. Your soul and spirit pulls you another way. And the only way you have to bridge and can bridge that gap is what Jesus said in John 3, Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's no way you're going to make heaven. And Nicodemus, he was a little confused. He said, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be birthed again? Jesus wasn't talking about that natural birth. I mean, you know, he was talking about a spiritual birth. He's saying this old man that was born once needs to be born again. And once you're born again, then things clear up. And he said, Nicodemus, you're a leader of the Jews. You don't know this. You should know this. Because Paul is saying we all need the ministry of reconciliation. We all have to come to the point where we say we have to be reconciled to God. And how does that happen? It's only through Jesus Christ. There's no other way for that to happen. Because we can line up, we can line up all the deities here. We can line up all the false gods here. And then we can put Jesus right in the middle. And if you're ever going to come, you can't come through this one or this one or this one or this one or this one because God is in Jesus Christ. That's the way you have reconciliation. It's the only way it happens. And let me tell you why it happens. Because he's the only one that paid the price for that to happen. You see, the tension I had in my old nature, that old nature that I had, it really struggled within my soul. And I made that choice to walk up and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I've done so many things wrong. And tears began to run down my face. Let me tell you, I didn't care who watched me. Uh, I didn't care who saw me crying. I didn't care what anybody thought about me because there was something deep within me said, I need to get right with God. 
So if you're here today and you say, well, you know, should this be easy? Well, it's easy in some way, but you're still going to feel some tension there. So if you feel that, don't, don't think that we don't understand that. Well, those Christians, they just don't know how I feel. Honey, we know how you feel. We all weren't Christians. How many of you know everybody here had to be born again? Well, you were born in a Christian family. Being born in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. Well, you go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus makes you a Christian. So that conflict is real. And we're going to acknowledge it today. But the reconciliation is also real. That he bridged the gap. He made the first move for you to get right with him. Then he says this. We'll pick this up next week. And he's giving you now the ministry of reconciliation. Now you can tell somebody else, this is what you need to do. This is how this works. You see, Jesus, listen closely, and I'm going to close with this. You see, Jesus did not take on the nature of an angel. The Bible says that Jesus took on the nature of flesh and blood and became like the brethren. That's what Paul said. Why did he do that? Because now he knows how we feel. Now he knows our conflict. Now he knows the pull from evil and good. Now he has experienced everything that you experience and I experience it. Why is that necessary? Because now he knows how to deal with us and to secure us and be the high priest for us because he's gone through the same experiences yet without sin. But you didn't get through it without sin. And I didn't get through it without sin. So he is wooing me now by the Holy Spirit that I would come in reconciliation to get with God. See, we must be reconciled with God. See, I believe this. I believe everything we're seeing on the news, everything that's going on is leading up to something. And you don't want to be in the final chapter of this life an enemy with God. I don't want to be in the final chapter an enemy with God. I want to be at peace with God. But the Scripture said in Colossians, He's made peace between us through the blood of the cross. And so when this is over and I stand before the Lord, I can be at peace with God because of reconciliation. You see, if we don't reconcile, we can't move any further. We're still at odds. We're still at loggerheads. But Jesus said, come on, I'm going to give my life for yours. I'm going to give you my righteousness for your unrighteousness. Would you please, would you please be reconciled? And guess what? All you have to do is say, yes, I will. It's that, it's that simple. You mean I won't have feelings? Oh, yeah, you're going to have a lot of feelings. And some of them aren't going to be good. But you still make that choice to be reconciled with God. Why don't you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.